0: Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonnell. There's good news and bad news about biking to work in Chicago. The good news is that biking to work has tripled since 2000. The bad news is that it's still only 2% of Chicago commuters that bike to work. Do other cities do better? Yes. Portland does 6%. Washington, D.C. does 45 Lots of cities do better. And so can we. The Bike to Work Challenge is about to descend on the city. It is an opportunity to get your colleagues and you biking to work. It is put on by the Active Transportation Alliance every year. We usually do a show around it and um, brag that we win our division every year and that we are the only media organization out there who rides actively and encourage other media organizations to ride actively. Uh, With us today, we have several people uh, who are participating in the challenge. We're going to talk about biking the whole show and uh, Kerry Holsinger is here. He is the Bike to Work Challenge Coordinator for the Active Transportation Alliance. Good to see you, Kerry. Thank you. Good to see you, Jerome. Uh, tell us what the, uh, the Bike to Work Challenge is and has, is, has evolved into here. What, For people who've never heard of it before, what is it?
1: Yeah, so uh, the Bike to Work Challenge um, is uh, presented by Keating Law Offices. It starts June 14th. Um, it's Friday, and it's a two-week-long um, friendly uh, challenge or competition amongst uh hundreds of Chicago land organizations both in the city um and in the suburbs um so they're competing um to have their employees just uh, see how much uh, see you can ha- log the most miles by biking to work um so the big goal of um active trans with this, uh, challenge is to, um, just get more people trying to bike commute for the first times, you know, just take that first step.
0: Um, you don't have to be a, uh, it's an opportunity to give peer pressure to your colleagues and really just ram in their faces. That's what, that's what I do. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. You know, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a hardcore cyclist to do this. You know, you just, uh, Get out there and drive for your first time
0: Any leg of the journey counts I ride to a metro stop and then ride from a metro stop to here every day and that, that is my commute that counts
1: Exactly and some people have um, you know asked me if they can they, they drive their um, bike to the, uh, the nearest um, trail you know and they, they ride the trail um, the rest of the way to work so even if you're driving part of it you know you log those miles that you're actually biking.
0: You've got an app and everything now. You've gone extremely high tech. You can track things by – you can track your miles by your app and everything.
1: We do, yeah. So the the app is still up. We've um, removed the points. Um, So we used to add um, extra points for um, using the app. But if you want to use it, um, that's fine. Um, um, That will – pretty much just track your miles there um, and be uploaded right to the site. Otherwise, you can just go online um, to bike the the number two workchallenge.org and log your miles there.
0: It's great that so many organizations take part, and there are several hundred uh, organizations that take part every year? Yeah,
1: I think last year was about um, 400. You know, that's anything from people with a staff of five to like 5,000.
0: And you cut them up into divisions according to size? We do. There's, um,
1: I believe seven different divisions based on the number of employees. And then there's uh, six uh, different divisions based on um, the type of organizations so of your nonprofit, for profit, bike related organization, education. And we actually have a new um, division this year um, for Divi um, business members as well.
0: You know, it's cool to look and see, because you know, on the website at uh, bikechallenge.org, you can see all the organizations that are taking part and it 's really the organizations that care about sustainability in the city that are really interested in promoting sustainability, and some are are not surprises. A lot of the or, architects and urban planning types are very big in the thing, but there 's also marketing organizations like Upshot is a big competitor of ours who 's just really concerned about sustainability in uh, in Chicago They're, it's really nice to get to know the people who are interested in sustainability
1: yeah there, there's a, a whole range of different organizations participating um, like you said from, from lawyers to um, architects um, to a bunch of different nonprofits um, running this so it's good to bring all these different folks together
0: and we've got a couple of them here with me is Meredith Stepien she is an experienced developer at the Adler Planetarium and their team leader great to meet you
2: It's so nice to meet you, too, Jerome.
0: Uh, The Adler Planetarium is our greatest competitor in our division. They have been second place to us a couple of years in a row. Wait,
2: I thought you said you weren't going to bring that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I lied. But but, uh, but the the, the good news for you is that we're a mess. We're a mess. We're under construction. Our shower is out of commission. Half our staff is at a WeWork down the road. where they're they're right next to the, the red line now and, and mm. so we are uh, we are we are on we are in flames and you have an opportunity <laughs> this year to to whip us i think cool also a lot of our top riders are 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 are, are not available it's it's going to be bad i'm telling you it's going to be good for you
2: all right cool i'm excited to maybe beat you <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's your best Line, what is your best thing to get other co-workers to, to, to get in there and ride their bikes?
2: Um, well, I'm not afraid to uh, – we use Slack. Do you all use Slack to we communicate? Do. Okay, yeah. So I'm not afraid to just post on Slack pretty constantly and say, yay, and with a lot of exclamation points, and then, you know, <laughs> tag everyone who I know who bikes. And, you know, even if they're like a VP-level person, if they walk into my office, I'm like, hi, don't forget to sign up today, and I'll just send it a bunch of times. Um, That's great. They
0: restricted me to a bike channel. They said, Jerome, you've got to go on the bike channel. Now, yeah. And people can sign up for that or, or opt out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, but I still use email. I just really? go right at it. I just go right at everybody on email.
2: Yeah, and we also have snacks. Um, last year we did a thing where we provided some edible materials, such as uh, pretzel sticks and bananas and carrots, and um, we said make a bike out of these these materials and then you can eat your bike and also sign up. And uh, then, you know, and donuts, of course. Um, So things like that. We also had a challenge where you had to try and draw a bike from memory without looking at a picture of a bike and that's actually really
0: hard well, it's hard to draw a bike period yeah
2: it's really hard it's much harder than you think so that was a fun challenge and just like little things like that to get people excited
0: uh, meredith stepion is with the adler planetarium also here is carter o'brien he is with the field museum he's their team leader he is also their chief uh, sustainability officer great to have you carter Hi. thank you um, now, you guys are in the division up from us. You're the 500-plus uh, people.
3: That's right. So you can talk trash all day. It's great.
0: <laughs> the um, uh, It's harder to get more – Organizations with more people motivated, I hear. Yeah. That you, you don't touch all 500 people in your organization, whereas I can pretty much harangue the 125 here.
3: So we we use our green team as sort of our uh, vehicle of justice. So, you know, the Field Museum's got a pretty well-defined kind of org chart. And so just like we, we actually do when there's contamination and recycling bins and things like that, it, uh, we can tell the people that have not signed up that we think are kind of like our targets. And so we use the peer pressure, and we just come to where you live and just knock on the door <laughs> and say, get on it, you
0: know. <laughs> um, we all have this great advantage of working along the bike path, and yeah. many people can, you know, many people want to be out there on the bike path, and uh, it's a great thing. Yeah, definitely. Do you, um, do you have any special techniques? Do you use food with that many people, or is that just too dang costly? Uh, we, we We do
3: like one big kind of staff ride during the week, although now that it 's two two weeks you know we 're kind of rethinking how we might open it up we 've had some uh, some rides in the past that have been dedicated to either like sort of new employees we 've had some uh, women only kind of rides to kind of encourage that kind of community building uh, we've we 've done sort of like the the tune ups the fix it ups at work we 've had some folks donate old bikes and then we 've kind of raffled them off so there oh, there's there 's nothing we won 't stoop to i mean
0: I bring my bicycle built for two, and I ferry people to the, um, to the CTA and stuff like that.
3: Really? Yes. That, <laughs> that. I'm glad you're not in our category. That's, I, that's, that's I good. I stole
0: that from the Center for Neighborhood Technology. Awesome. It used to beat our brains out every year. And now I've stolen some of their techniques. And feel free to you know, steal counts. away.
1: That counts. As long as they're just logging one trip, you know? you
0: bring bringing someone else on the ride, that works. I really enjoy looking at the website and being able to see the different kind of riders and how they're doing and uh, you, you get to know a few people along the way and there are some organizations out there that really really ride hard uh, Carrie what wh- who are some of your favorites out there
1: yeah, so i mean th- there's a, there's a bunch of them I know um You know, Northwestern um, is a big one. I know Elizabeth over there, um, she does a great job. She's like the uh, super team captain um, of all of their departments. So I know that their departments um, break up into their own teams, um, and they all have their own, each, each of those departments have their own team captain um, but she's like the super captain um coordinating all of those different teams and
0: and they will lead the the the, the, they've got so many people riding and so many people at the university that they will be the leader at the end in total miles and everything yeah they they are they are every yeah they they usually are in their category and uh, there's lots of organizations um uh, architects all ride they all ride pretty hard they do that
1: yeah there's it's surprising um you know just looking at the list from last year how many architecture ac- architecture firms there are actually um in the competition um i think like you said they're um into planning um and do um a lot of the work that active trans does um as far as you know making sure that we have the safe inst- infrastructure um, for biking walk and pu- public transit so they're they're aligned with our mission.
0: I noticed that Studio Gang almost every time around rides at like ninety, ninety-five percent. Uh, they, you know, everybody in the office rides. That's just what what they're going to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, that's. I mean, that's. I think that's awesome. Um, if you can have an organization where like almost everyone is riding, you know. I mean, we we all do at Acto Trans because um, you know we we love biking. Um, but for for the folks that. Um, you know, aren't bicycle advocate organizations um, to see um, almost a hundred percent of the, the employees riding is, um, is great.
0: The best we've done is about uh, 45, 50%, um, which is pretty good.
1: That, that's, I think that's great for a, uh, you know, a larger, a larger place for sure.
0: I, but it, it was pretty wild. It took a it took a huge effort to get to forty five or fifty percent. Normally we're around around thirty percent riding, and um, uh, I don't know that, that's better than average. I mean, if only two percent of the people in who, who are commuting to work are are going by bike, um, we're doing all right. That's, I
1: think that's pretty good. And like you know, like I said, like as long as people are just trying this out for their first time, um, I think that's that's the biggest step is just getting people over. Um, what they're afraid of, of um, getting the bike and actually riding in traffic. Um, so it's really just trying to encourage them to take that first step um, and actually just just ride their bike.
0: For several years, we did bike with the scared. And we got someone who was an experienced rider, match them up with a scared person, and, and we would take them out and ride them around during during Bike to Work Week.
1: Yeah, that's I, a lot of um, – I, I like the the bike – Bike with the scared. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of uh, companies, you know, I know they, they, they do the buddy system. They meet up with, um, you know, people in their neighborhood who are um, they're biking to work with. Um, and it just kind of helps them show them the ropes of um, actually um, biking to work and what it takes to, to ride in traffic.
0: When I get my bicycle built for two out and I ride people around in the back, some of them are kind of the bike with the scared type. And they tell stories about, and it comes out. What happened to them? There, when they were on a farm as a child, and they fell off the bike and they hit their mouth, mm-hmm. and then and then you hear the stories of uh, trauma that has kept them off a of bike maybe for decades. It's wow. like a psychology um, effort to, to to get them to get people back on the bike. Carter,
3: no, <laughs> I, I completely agree. I mean, one of the, the greatest things about this I found over the years is it just gets people to do it that. They bike, but they have never biked to work, and they, they don't realize until they try, like, how much less stress it is than being stuck in traffic or, you know, dealing with CTA, perhaps. I like CTA, but, uh, you know, it's the biking is, is just a, a wonderful thing to do in Chicago. It's the right time of year, you know, and I think you get a lot of people hooked uh, who had thought about it but, you know, hadn't just kind of – they needed that little nudge to kind of get, get to it.
2: Yeah, I, I never – had an interest in biking in the city whatsoever um, until I was about three years in and I met my friend Nick who um, heard that I didn't have any interest in biking it sounded terrifying to me and he found a bike on Craigslist for $60 showed up brought it to my house and then when a few weeks went by that I hadn't biked in it he came with his van picked me up put the bike in the van and drove me to his house we were rehearsing some music together and then made me bike home from his house which was in Ukrainian village <laughs> and I was living in Lakeview so it was pretty And but he biked with me half the way and then he was like you got it the rest of the way home and I couldn't get home any other way I had to like... And then that was it. He broke me in. I was like, it's not
0: so scary. Well, wow, that, that's like throwing the baby in the pool and yeah. seeing it if it swims. <laughs> he seriously did. <laughs> that's awesome. We're talking about the Bike to Work Challenge. Hopefully, your organization is signing up. Uh, it's at bike to org. Is that the?
1: Yeah, bike number two workchallenge.org. Two
0: challenge.org. And you can sign up right there right now. Our organization is signed up. Uh, you guys are all signed up already, oh, yeah. team leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our We've got our members, uh, our, our employees signing up. We've got uh, – we're tuning up bicycles right now outside. Uh, we're coming up in the next segment. We're going to be talking with working bikes, and they come and they tune us up every year. So it should be uh, an awesome time. Uh, is there anybody – is there a challenger for you guys at the Field Museum, Carter? Is, are you guys all on your own this so, year? You're so far out ahead. Our, our
3: big challenger is the American Bar Association and uh, – it's probably not a good idea to do too much trash talking with a whole bunch of lawyers. We might need them. You never know. Uh, but, but I'll say they're, they're, it, it's often really tight for us. I mean it, it does kind of propel people to go a little extra because they, they are often like really kind of neck and neck. Um, I think last year we did significantly better than in years past. But, I mean, we've had some where it came down to like kind of the last day. And
0: that's when you're really
3: like calling people up. Come on. I know you've got a bike. Just come on. Just once, Just once. Just once.
0: Well, hopefully a lot of people will sign up and take part, and we will up our city's biking from 2% to 4%. Who knows? That'd be huge. And uh, there's a lot of great events, Carrie. You know, people can look in the events part of the Bike Challenge website, but you're doing pit stops. You've got the Daily Plaza event right in the middle this year. And um, so that'll be, what, about the 21st or something? Yeah,
1: uh, Friday Friday the 21st from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. is the – Bike Week Rally in Daily Plaza. So come come by, um grab some
0: breakfast. Free t-shirt.
1: Um, free t-shirt. Um which you you can get every year. Um
0: I've got a million of them. I wear them every day during the bike to that's work awesome. challenge. And that, and I impress them with my shirt from 2011 or something.
1: That's well, you got to get another
0: one this year. <laughs> I'm going to Absolutely. Well, um I hope hopefully people get out there and do this and uh, take up some biking to work and thanks very much for joining us uh, Kerry Holsinger, he is the Bike to Work Challenge Coordinator at the Active Transportation Alliance who is out there advocating for walking and biking in your community and public transportation and thanks very much to our key competitor, Meredith Stepien from the Adler Planetarium we will be watching <laughs> your progress in a very detail oriented way in, during during the during the event. And Carter O'Brien was with the Field Museum and is their sustainability officer and chair of the museum's green team and team leader, most importantly, for Bike to Work Challenge. Thanks a lot for joining us, Carter, and enjoy the challenge, and hopefully you really destroy the American Bar Association. (laughs) Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we'll talk with a real estate agent who does his whole business by bike. Stay tuned. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're talking about biking and biking to work today on Worldview, and we're going to talk with people who have bikes in their work all the time. Now, first of all, let's talk with A. Jordan Rothschild. He is a real estate broker, and he is home of the owner of Bike Home Chicago, and he shows homes by bike. That's awesome, Jordan. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, tell me how you decide. Most real estate agents, they would never even think to do something like this, but you are showing homes by bike. What happened?
4: Well, um, like many blessings in my life, I have my husband, Robert, to thank. Um, about five years ago, I was at a work uh Job that um, I was a property manager, so a very sedentary job that I loved a lot, but long hours, and I had trouble finding time to work out. And bike to work challenge came around, and I didn't officially do it, but he challenged me, and I accepted. <laughs> And uh, ever since then, I've fallen in love with biking and switched, did a little pivot in the industry and switched to the sales side and um, now show homes by bike. And I I just really enjoy it and my clients really enjoy it. It's a great way to learn the neighborhoods and um, it's a lot of fun. Can you give us an idea of how
0: you map this out with a client?
4: Because it sounds
0: like... Um, you would almost have to work individually with them, create a map, and then go do it.
4: Well, uh, at this time, because I've been biking, doing urban biking in the city for so long, you know, I'm I'm very well acquainted with the streets that have the um, best bike routes and – a lot of people already kind of know what part of town they want to live in. They've narrowed it down because it's close to uh, their children's school that they want them to be in or close to work. So typically, we're only seeing a couple neighborhoods, and they're usually near each other. So um, it's actually the fastest way I've found to get around the city, you know, especially when you're looking at homes after work. You know, it's rush hour. You don't have to park. You don't have to park. Um, so it's, it's
0: really nice. What has been the reaction of clients? I mean, does this make do you skew do your clients skew younger or something like the older? You know, just are not
4: going to get older clients who want to ride around and find a find a house or something. Right? No, good question. Um, I. You know, I don't only show by bicycle. Uh, It is my preferred method of seeing homes. But if someone wants to uh, ride in a car, I'm happy to do that as well. Um, But I do encourage folks. And it's popular amongst people that already bike to work. Uh, I had a client that does uh, triathlons that really enjoyed biking. And, um, you know, it's hard to find time to work out. And looking for a home is very stressful. And you see the first home, it's not what you thought it would be. And then you get on the bike and you do some deep breathing and... It, it really does help, kind of calm you down um, during your search. So, well, that's a good way to put it. I, I, never, I didn't think about the psychological aspect yeah. of it. Uh,
0: what do the clients? Um, what kind of feedback do you get from clients?
4: What do they say? Um, they are well. It just depends. You know, some of them. Are really nervous at first because I um, I did have one client that you know was not an accomplished urban biker they did a divvy and they were very nervous but um, after the first couple of showings uh, you know places that we went they really enjoyed it um, uh, a lot of other people um, you know have said that they really like the fact that we just pull right up to the house and then you lock your bike to the gate typically um, whereas a lot of times when you're in a car with a realtor they're anxiously looking for parking and neighborhood. They might park illegally, put the flashes on. You're rushing because the realtor's upset. Like, oh my gosh, my car might get a ticket. I've gotten so many tickets. So um, I don't have that problem, which I really like. And then just from a sustainability standpoint, it makes me feel good to know that I'm going around the city um, on bike and, and I'm out and about for a lot of the day and I'm, I'm not you know, polluting. <laughs> Blowing so. a bunch of carbon out there. Exactly. That is a, a great way to look at it. Are there
0: other real estate people who, are, who have heard about what you're doing and think, oh, my gosh, this guy is onto something?
4: Well, um, I'm fortunate to be a broker at At Properties, uh, which is the largest brokerage in Illinois and I believe 11th in the country. Um, They're very innovative. They're still very new, but, you know, have done very well for themselves. And they were 100% supportive of me doing this. Other brokers who have heard about it are very skeptical um, as I'm sure many of your listeners know um, you know in real estate there's a lot of posturing maybe you're driving a luxury vehicle to show how successful you are and it you know that's just kind of the norm so when they hear that I go around on a, a bicycle it's met with some some awe. but um, I always you know get jokes about how you never get any parking tickets or things (laughs) like bet your car's never been towed. So, um, you know, it is, it is fun
0: well are you going to take part in the bike to work challenges here i mean can you sign up just by yourself and and compete as your
4: group of one or I w- something? i was talking to <laughs> carrie about that and um to to my embarrassment i said well i you know i bike so often um i, I you know i don't want to be an outlier you know and skew the data and he told me that you know some of the competitors are biking hundreds of miles in these two weeks so i said well you know, I guess I wouldn't be as much of an outlier as I thought. <laughs> well, uh, we want to give your website and let people
0: take a look. It's bikehomechicago.com. Yes, sir. And you are, you are right up there on a bike and right in people's faces with bikes. And, and people can check it out
4: and go for a bike tour with you and buy a house. Absolutely. Does it, uh, did it up sales? Well, you know, I would say, um, as you've mentioned, that the folks in the city, you know, around 2% um, are bike commuters. So I would say that the majority of of my clients, you know, don't bike, but I, you know, I do list properties. So that property doesn't move. I just have to bike to it. So. Um you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily done an uptick in sales, but um, I do enjoy it, and I do enjoy anytime someone wants to come bike with me.
0: Jordan Rothschild is a real estate broker. He is the owner of Bike Home Chicago and shows homes by bike. Thanks a lot for joining us, and congratulations on your innovative business model. Thank you. Yay! Thank you. Also with me here in the studio are people who... Um, bike and work work with bikes and uh, the name of the organization is Working Bikes I've had them on a bunch over the years Working Bikes takes uh, your bicycle donations rehabs them sells them also takes bicycles and sends them to other places around the globe that need them. Today, uh, Working Bikes is working on a shipment to Malawi. And I know I really thank uh, Working Bikes for coming in and helping tune up some of our bikes here at WBEZ. Kiki Pinkney is here. She is one of the mechanics at Working Bikes. Great to see you, Kiki.
5: Yes, thank you. Such a pleasure to be here.
0: And Anna Henschel is here. She is the volunteer program manager for Working Bikes and is helping us tune up bikes. Thanks a lot for joining us.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Um, so what's, uh, what's new with you guys? This, I like the sound of this Malawi uh, shipping party that you're having today.
6: Yeah, we, um, we're shipping a container to Malawi. Hopefully, it'll be all packed up tomorrow afternoon. Um, we can stuff about 450 bikes um, into a big shipping container. We have tons of volunteers that come in and help us. Um, and the people that get the bikes that receive them in Malawi are very thankful. Um, we're able to send about 14 shipments to um, a bunch of different partners that we have, mostly located in Africa and Central America throughout the year. Um, we've got a few, uh, new partners in places, uh, like Fiji, um, and in the the (laughs) Middle East. So we're expanding, um, to new partners all over the world.
0: Um, tell me how you guys got involved with Working Bikes. How did you do it? Uh, Kiki, where, where, how did you get involved?
5: Well, um, actually, I, um, I've i been doing After School Matters um, service and repair bicycle mechanic programs uh, a lot over the years since I was a teenager, and I started out um, at Westtown Bikes. Um, I ended up doing a summer program at uh, Working Bikes as an intern there, and then a couple of years later, I uh, was hired as a program assistant for an After School Matters program, um, which was two years ago, and I've pretty much been working there ever since, and this year, I'll, will be my two-year anniversary of working at Working Bikes.
0: And now you're uh, straight-up mechanic.
5: Well, um, yes. When I first started at Working Bikes, I was the program assistant for the After School Matters program. Um, I uh, ended up staying on board with them. They've uh, been so helpful and pretty much like helped to build me and educate me on anything that I kind of wanted to learn or brush up on as far as like mechanical skills and talking to people and even getting more experience with like volunteer uh, events and you know just hands on and just being more active and engaging in community um, events and things like that and um, so I I was working on the sales floor and from there I kind of got into more mechanics and um, I applied for a scholarship actually um, the QBP uh, Women's Bicycle Mechanics Scholarship Program And I ended up Getting it And um, traveling to Portland So going to school For um, And to UBI United Bicycle Institute And they kind of Trained me more And I got a lot More experience And kind of got To go to school And um learned pretty much anything that I thought I already knew and everything that I didn't know, and, <laughs> and that um, helped me a lot and, and um, gave me a lot more confidence to start wrenching more um, in working bikes, and I have since then been doing service and repair um, and working on customer repairs.
0: What's the hardest kind of bike to work on? Um, a rusty one?
5: <laughs> I don't know. I would say a bike <laughs> Is that a
0: good bike mechanic joke? I don't know the bike mechanic <laughs> jokes. I'm I, just honestly, making them up.
5: I love working on bikes. It really doesn't matter to me, but I would say bikes that have sentimental value, you you want to be cautious of that because you don't know how old the bike is or or the history of it until you get in depth with it. And you just always want to make the person happy and make sure that they can ride it or, you know, pass it along. So I would say bikes with sentimental value.
0: That's the, that's the best way to go. Um, so, Working bikes, you've got a bike shop. People can come and buy a bike. Uh, There's a a lot of ways to get involved. People can donate bikes. You've got a whole network of uh, bike shops that take donations all over the Chicago area. Um, explain what's going on there, Anna.
6: Yeah, so we uh, we take in bikes from a number of different places. Um, last year in 2018, we took a, took in over 12,000 bikes. Um, so those come from people that donate, um, like you mentioned, to their local bike shop um, that collects bikes for us. It comes from um Police departments and municipalities and universities um, and smaller organizations that do what we do um, all over the Midwest. Um, we've got a lot of space. We're really lucky for that. So we take in a lot of bikes. Um, and some of them just get put on a shipping container and, like I mentioned, get shipped to places like Malawi um, and other partner organizations that we work with. Um, and then I'm lucky enough to work with our volunteers at Working Bikes um, and they fix up bikes that get donated locally. Um, we've got two programs, cycle of power and cycle of peace that are our local donation programs so we donate to um adults um we work with social service agencies to donate bikes um, to people who don't have another form of transportation um, need a way to get to and from work um, that's a great thing yeah or help them access different uh services in their community um and then we also donate to lots of uh, youth programs and schools, um, and all of those bikes uh, are worked on and fixed up by our volunteer mechanics. Last year, they fixed up over a thousand bikes and donated them in the Chicago area. Uh, so I'm very, very thankful for all of my wonderful volunteers.
0: I I would be too. That's a wonderful thing you're doing. Bikes are not just a form of transportation; they can be uh, they can be something that change people's lives.
6: Yeah, um, at Working Bikes, we believe that uh, bicycles can be a po- tool of empowerment. Um, And so we're trying to empower as many people as possible.
0: Well, congratulations on everything you're doing and uh, give the working bikes location. You're out there on Western Avenue.
6: Yeah, we're at 2434 Southwestern. um, So we're really close to lots of different um, kinds of public transportation. You can take the bus or the train to us and then hopefully you can ride a bike home uh, because we sell bikes also. So if you're looking for a way to support the organization, um, you can donate you know, time as a volunteer. You can donate money. Um, You can come buy a bike from us. This year will be our uh, 20th anniversary. So um, come and check us out and hopefully um, help us out however you can.
0: Rock on Working Bikes. Anna Henschel is a volunteer program manager with Working Bikes and Kiki Pinkney is a mechanic now with Working Bikes. Great to see you guys. Keep up the great work and thanks for coming and tuning up our bikes for us.
5: Thank you. Oh, thank you. And if anyone wants to come help out with our shipping party today, they're more than welcome as well.
0: Yeah, just drop out by today. Pick up bikes, stick them in a container. I've done it. It's fun.
5: It's really fun.
0: Uh, and coming up after the break, we will talk with the greatest global biker Chicago has ever produced, George Christensen. He's touring across France right now. Stay tuned. I'm Jerome McDonald. This is Worldview on WBEZ.
1: And a, taste.
0: Got a lot of and a lyrical case. Be sure to ride it. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. I'm going to talk now with bike legend George Christensen. I think it's safe to call him the greatest global cyclist Chicago ever produced. Maybe the greatest global cyclist anywhere. George has cycled the links of North America, South America, and Australia. Also, Madagascar, Lebanon, Taiwan, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates, the Philippines, Venezuela, Japan, all of Southeast Asia, Scandinavia, and Iceland. And this is just a sample of the places he has cycled. George Christensen has a special fondness for films and the Tour de France. After taking in the Cannes Film Festival, he is now scouting the Tour de France route. And he has just described his pass over the sixth highest point in the Alps in his blog, George the Cyclist where decades of his exploits are cataloged. And George is now on his way to the Tour of France starting point. This year, it's in Belgium, and he has been kind enough to pull over into a fancy campground with Internet access and talk with us today. George Christensen, it's great to have you on the program.
7: Well, it's nice to be here.
0: Uh, When did you know you would devote yourself to the bike?
7: Oh, boy. In 1977, I took a a ride coast to coast, just kind of as, as an adventure. I'd always been a cyclist and gotten around on a, on a bicycle. And when I was in, at Northwestern in the early 70s, I was one of the very few people there getting around on a bike. So going coast to coast sounded like a fun thing to do, but it was much more of a challenge than I anticipated. and I wasn't sure By the time I got to the Pacific Ocean, whether I was going to say never again, or if it was going to be uh, my life's calling. And when I got to the Pacific, I was just full of the exhilaration of of being on the bike and seeing so many different things. I turned left at Oregon and went on for another thousand miles. (laughs) And and knew at at that point I'd want to do one of these adventures every year. And and I've I've managed to do that for going on forty years now, at least one ride of a thousand miles or more. They do add up over a lifetime.
0: That is amazing. Uh, Explain how you arranged your lifestyle to do that.
7: Um, When I got out of college, I had a a real job for a year. Uh, At that time, not knowing whether I wanted to stick to that or not. The company I was working for, I was sort of the administrative assistant to the owner of it. And so many of the people at this company were talking about what they were going to do when they retired. And that was really, really disheartening. I didn't want to be somebody who was just looking forward to retirement and doing all those things that you wanted to do. So I thought if I saved up my money from that first year, I could take an early retirement and do some of the adventures that you would want to do when you're, when I was retired and then return to the workplace later on. The most significant job I had after that was, you know, working as a bicycle messenger. And I just kind of did that as a, a lark, initially, it was something to do on the bike that I'd always been curious about. And when I well, I got back from about six months in South America, and I had a gap in time and thought, oh, I'll get this messenger a try. Initially, boy, I was really, really happy that I wasn't doing this for a real profession. The job was much more demanding, physically demanding, than I initially realized it would be. Although, once I got in shape and learned the ins and outs of the loop, I came to enjoy that job so much. The biggest challenge of the job was working more than than I needed to. And that was something I went back to for nearly 20 years as the the messenger.
0: All right. So essentially, for 20 years, you did bike messengering half the year and then toured the world half the year. Is that about the size of it?
7: Yeah, that's what it amounted to. The messengering was just, boy, the ideal job for me. The, The company I worked for, Cannonball Dynamics at that time, had 50 messengers, and there was a Continual turnover in messengers. So I could tell my dispatcher, you know, I'm going to go off to India for a couple months and I'll see you. As soon as I came back, I could just start right back up. And it was like that for, well, up until maybe a dozen years ago, and the messengering really slowed down. And I'd saved up enough money and, you know, made wise investments that I was generating more money from my investments, the messenger, and I was truly continuing with the messenger because I, I, I enjoyed it so much. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that I needed it, so...
0: Fascinating. I'm talking with George Christensen. He is a global cyclist originally here from Chicago, and he has cycled all over North America, South America, Australia. And we are talking with him in a campground in Macon, France. It is somewhere north of Lyon, and he has stopped and he's on his way to see the beginning of the Tour de France race, which is in Belgium this year. Are there places that you would recommend people go cycling in the world? You have cycled almost everywhere. Are there spots you remember as like, "Eh, that would be terrific for somebody who, you know, maybe hasn't done that much international cycling?
7: Oh, this is my 16th summer in France. So nowhere beats France for cycling with the quiet secondary roads and the people have a real connection and and fondness for, for bicycle touring, not a great many people are actually out touring but it's something that people respond to and, and they have an attraction for there Sartre and saint maudou were like going off in the country on their bicycles and, and both of them said they wish they'd just given their, their lives up to bicycle touring which well, I've I sort of managed to do and then one of the other great allures of France is it's just so rural and so pastoral that the camping is just so easy you, you don't really need to stay in campgrounds, there's Pockets of forest everywhere that you can disappear into and pastures with high bushes around them that you can disappear into. And
0: I really enjoyed the story on your blog about forgetting your helmet the other day and you had to double back for it later. And it was right where you left it in the camp where you left it with the high bushes.
7: Yeah, no, I was fully confident it would be in this isolated forest that I, I knew no one would really, really go off into. <laughs> but, but camping really is a part of the, the culture here. When you come into towns, there's always signs for camping and camping. They have signs for camping, but all, not libraries. Libraries aren't as as prominent in, in France as they are in America. Where in America, every small town has a has a library, and there's always a sign to the library. But in, in France, it's it really is a part of their culture. I hadn't really taken advantage of the campgrounds so much because I really enjoy the independence and freedom of just camping off in the woods and being able to bicycle until the late evening and when the cycling is best. But it wasn't until a couple of years ago when my girlfriend Janina joined me for a ride across France and she was a little bit leery about wild camping going, <laughs> or knowing that I'd been attacked by a wild boar in my tent one night. So with the her <laughs> staying in the campgrounds, that gave me a real appreciation
0: There's quite a few wild boars in France, and they can be pretty large.
7: No, they are proliferating. I was lucky the one I disturbed was a young male and didn't really have the horns yet. Otherwise, it really could have been curtains, but he didn't appreciate me encroaching upon his turf and just charged (laughs) my tent in the middle of the night. I, I, I woke up to this stampeding sound, which I hear that occasionally when I'm camping where some predator is chasing after a a deer or something and I I hear this scampering through the woods so I wasn't initially alarmed when I heard this scampering until something just plowed into my tent and I I couldn't believe it. it it happened, it woke me up, I thought maybe a tree limb had fallen on me or but I realized I could see the sweaty imprint from this wild boar's head on, on my tent. And, <laughs> and and he was still kind of prowling around, not sure whether he wanted to charge again or not.
0: Are there places that you would recommend that people not go? I mean, are there places you did not enjoy? I, I read this enormous list of places you've been. Madagascar, Taiwan, Oman, the Philippines, Venezuela, Japan.
7: Well, the only trip I was on where I wanted it to end, or I thought it might, ended prematurely. was crossing India, and India with the really bad roads, and you know the, the rule of the road in India is no rules. It is well, people honk their horns at slow moving traffic. Ninety percent of the traffic is these, these high piled lorries going along at just 25 miles per hour. That's the, the standard speed limit, 40 kilometers per hour. And on the back of all these trucks is uh, admonition to toot their horn. And so all day long, these lorries would be blasting their horns at me, even if I'd kind of turn, you'd hear them rumbling and coming upon you. And I'd sort of acknowledge them, but they were so conditioned, conditioned to having to toot their horn, to let bicyclists and pedestrians and animals get out of their way. At that point, I was really glowing brain numb for that. I, <laughs> one morning when I was taking my tent down, it occurred to me all I was looking forward to was setting up my tent at the end of the day. It was the first time. Usually it's boy, great to get back on the road. So I was going to cut that trip short when I was bicycling from Bombay across to Calcutta. I thought I'd just fly home from Calcutta, even though the prime objective of that trip was to get to Kathmandu in Nepal. Kathmandu is at the ultimate traveler's destination. But Calcutta, even though it's truly a a cesspool of the sea, revived me. People left me alone there. People weren't swarming around me wherever I stopped, as as they were out in rural India. And there was a variety of food. And so I I was heading north into, into the Himalayas at that point, and I was hoping the traffic wouldn't be so bad. So India is a place I would
0: say tough to bike.
7: Well, and and. Iceland is a country that attracts a lot of people. There's a 750-mile road around the Ring Road that attracts a lot of Europeans. Just make a, a little hop over to Iceland for that ride. It's like a good rustic ride for them. Rather than going off to Asia, they go to Iceland. But the, the winds in Iceland were can be really, really horrendous. There literally wasn't a cyclist I did, met in Iceland that at one point didn't say, boy, I can't take these winds anymore, and they just got on a bus and continued on.
0: I'm talking with George Christensen, global cyclist. He is now right outside of Macon, France, and he's touring France right now, and he's getting ready for the start of the Tour de France, which is in Belgium this year. He has cycled every place on the planet, practically, and we're talking about his exploits. Now, I did want to say something about one of your domestic cycling goals. You're cycling to all the Carnegie libraries in the United States domestically, and there are 1,600 Carnegie libraries built by Andrew Carnegie, These beautiful libraries all over the country how did you come upon that as an idea and why did you want to do that
7: well when I've been touring around the US and I've, well, I've been all over I've been well, I even went up the, the Alaskan Highway from Chicago and, and libraries are a place of refuge and during the day it's, it's a place to re- retreat to and, and you know back before the internet uh, libraries were a place where I could go look at the newspaper and, and find out how the Cubs had done or, or whatever So it was going through Texas maybe 15 years ago, and this one library I went into, it was a signed library, and I couldn't believe that this majestic building looked like a church, a cathedral, was was the actual library, with with columns and a dome and whatnot. And and I saw on the plaque that had been... uh, funded by, by Andrew Carnegie. And in the back of my mind, I knew that Carnegie had you know, funded libraries, but I didn't know the extent of, of his beneficence. And, and I started researching it and saw and there were libraries in 48 of the states, scattered everywhere. And Illinois was one of the six states that have over 100 Carnegies. So I just sort of started plotting routes, seeking out these Carnegies, because every one, there, well, they were all built in the early 1900s. And most of them are real monuments in these in these small towns, like the most significant, the most beautiful building in these towns. They're all striking, and towns are really proud of them. Many towns have postcards of, of their Carnegie libraries.
0: Well, well, it gives you a great target, because when you ride to something, you want to ride to something. That certainly gives you a million little targets to ride to.
7: No, no it does help to have a goal, whether it's you know, Tierra del Fuego at the bottom of South America, or, or reaching Alaska, or in some states, you, I can hit, you know, three or four or five Carnegie's in a day, and every one, I'm, you know, I have a, a slight bit of excitement as I'm approaching it, what this building is going to look like, and, you know, it's always nice to talk to the librarians, and they're all so proud of the library, and, and tell the history of it, In these small towns, maybe these... Librarians grew up in these towns and and speak fondly of their librarian who preceded them. A lot of these small towns honor their early librarians, the pictures of them hanging up, and you can really feel the, the history of these buildings.
0: I wanted to plug your uh, blog, George the Cyclist, uh, and it's george georgethecyclist at blogspot.com. You've got an amazing stories there, and you've kind of got a community of people. When you're riding through a place, they say, hey, George, do you, you want to stay with me? That's kind of a nice thing. Yeah,
7: yeah. No, and I've got friends dotted around the world that have made nice destinations. A, a friend in Bolivia, who I did my... Top to bottom of South America, Bolivia was one of the, the two inland countries, and I didn't get to Bolivia, so it was nice to go visit her and make a circuit of, of Bolivia, and a friend who lives in Cape Town, that got me to South Africa, and I had a string of friends in Australia that I could, I, I could stay to, and people are always happy when you, when, when you show up on your bike.
0: Absolutely, and I got to say something about what a beast you are. You're 68 years old now, and today you did 70 miles. You're you're doing regularly 90 miles during that Carnegie trip in California, and you're riding with stuff. You know, you don't carry a lot of stuff, but you're carrying some stuff.
7: Yeah. No. Well, I've got about 50 pounds of gear. I try to have at least, well, a day or two's worth of supply of food with me at 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 all times. But you know, endurance athletes sort of get stronger with age and i've never let up i've maintained my conditioning but I, I do have lulls and i was at Cannes for two weeks and didn't do any real biking then so it's almost one month till the tour de France starts so i need to get my legs in condition for that and so i've got another month's I hope to bike another 2500 miles because once that starts it's 100 miles a day for three weeks straight trying to keep up with, with the peloton it's certainly worth it. There's a, a real excitement following every day, tens of thousands of people lining the road, all excited, seeing somebody following the tour route on, on, on a loaded bicycle. Because it's, right. it's all something that many of those people have lost fantasy that they would like to do. There's all sorts of people following it in their camping vans parked along the road that I see day after day. And it, it, you get a real a sense of community there. Well, I, I've gotten to know the devil. The devil always gives me a cheer when I go by. <laughs> you
0: know, it's, 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 that's awesome.
7: It's, it's, it's you know, really
0: exhilarating. Well, congratulations on all your cycling exploits and enjoy the Tour de France this year as you do every year. And um, hopefully, we'll see you at home in Chicago sometime.
7: Okay, well, that's been an honor to you very much.
0: And it's been an honor to talk with you. George Christensen is a global cyclist, a bike legend. He has traveled the lengths of North America, South America, Australia, Madagascar, Lebanon, Oman, Taiwan, everywhere you can imagine. And he is in France for the start of the Tour de France, heading there right now by bike. Did, did 70 miles today and uh, joined us from Macon, France. Thanks a lot for joining us, George Christensen.
7: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Look at me, look at me, hands in the air like it's good to be alive. And I'm a famous rapper, even when the paths are all crooked. Deep. Tomorrow on Worldview, we are going to have uh, some material about uh, Mahatma Gandhi and hope you can join us for an anniversary of Mahatma Gandhi's. He got thrown off a train in South Africa 125 years ago and the legend began. So uh, that's coming up on Thursday on Worldview. Also on Thursday, Morning Shift is going to be um, coming coming your way from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs on their forum on Global Cities. We're going to be there on Friday. So you've got that to look forward to this week. Hope you can continue joining us for Worldview. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ.
1: I can make money, open up a thrift store. I can make a living of a magazine. I can design an engine 64 miles to be gallon of gasoline. I can make new antibiotics. I can make computers survive aquatic conditions.